Well, hey, welcome to Church Online. My name is Pastor Nick Newman, and I want to say welcome. Wherever you're tuning in from today, go ahead and hit the uh, like button, jump in the comments section, share this message with one of your friends or family members, because we believe that the good news of Jesus uh, should be spread around the whole world, and uh, we're so grateful that you chose to be online with us. Uh, I'm not just excited here in person, but we're excited wherever you're at tuning in today. We want to say welcome to you. I've got some people who are with me today, and we're going to jump in to week three of a message series called Subject to Change. And this has been an incredible series because we've been talking about how do we kind of navigate when life inevitably happens to you and I. You and I are going through a lot of life circumstances. All of our plans at this moment are subject to change at any time because of the situation that we find ourselves in. And in week one of this series, we talked about how to be frustrated but flexible. You might not like what's going on around you, but if you're flexible, you'll actually experience some great things that God has for you. And then last week, we talked about how failure isn't final because no matter what you've done in your life, in Christ, your past mistakes don't define the future that God has for you. And then this week, we're going to talk about how to have faith in the faithfulness of God. And so if you're taking notes today, you can write that down. Go ahead and jump to Deuteronomy chapter 7 with me. Deuteronomy chapter 7. This is what it says, beginning in verse 6. It says, For you are a holy people who belong to the Lord your God. And of all the people on the earth, the Lord your God has chosen you to be his own special treasure. The Lord did not set his heart on you and choose you because you were more numerous than other nations, for you were the smallest of all nations. What he's saying is the reason why God chose you was not because of your own efforts, your own deeds, or your own merits, but rather the reason, the metric system for God choosing you, for God desiring a relationship with you, for God pursuing you, is this next verse. It was simply that the Lord loves you. And sometimes we overcomplicate the good news of the gospel, the good news of Jesus. We try and figure out, well, well why does God pursue me? Why did God send Jesus? And this verse wraps it up. The reason why God looks at you and declares that you're a, a special priest, a, a priesthood, a, a holy people, his very own possession, is because he loves you. He desires a relationship with you and he is for you. So it says it was the love of the Lord. He was keeping his oath that he swore to your ancestors. In other words, God is a God who doesn't just love you, but he's faithful to keep his promises. This is what the, why the Lord rescued you with such a strong hand from your slavery and from the oppressive hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Understand, therefore, that the Lord your God is indeed God. He is the faithful God. Go ahead and circle that. He is the faithful God who keeps his covenant for a thousand generations and lavishes his unfailing love on those who love him and obey him. I want to talk to you today about having faith in the faithfulness of God because sometimes when you and I are navigating situations and circumstances in our life, in order for us to see that God is faithful, it actually requires us to have faith because our current situation might not line up with the character of who God really is. So a few things that we need to do in this, the first one is this, is we need to remember who God is. If you want to have faith, in faithfulness. You've got to remember who God is. B. 
Because as you and I can see in this passage of Scripture, what Moses is doing is he's reminding these people of who God is and what God's done. So he says, hey, Pharaoh, that God delivered you from slavery. If you're not familiar with the story, the first five books of the Bible go like this. Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and then Deuteronomy. And in Exodus, God's people, the Israelites, have been in captivity for 400 years. But God is going to send a man to proclaim freedom for them. That guy's name is Moses. And Moses would walk into Pharaoh's chambers to have a conversation with him and proclaim that God's people should be set free. Because ultimately, God doesn't desire that any of his people live in bondage. But Pharaoh says no. Pharaoh says there's no way. And Moses says, Pharaoh, Pharaoh, whoa, whoa, let my people go. I'm just kidding. Come on, if you didn't break out in song right there, you didn't grow up in church, and that's okay. Uh, we're so glad you tuned in because, because the story is relevant for every single one of us. See, these people wanted freedom, but were stuck, and there's no way for them to get out. But God continued to pursue them and pursue their freedom, and they saw many miracles. They saw plagues. They saw all sorts of things, and ultimately, they were let go. And as they're heading down, uh, they're about to cross this thing called the Red Sea. They run into uh, this barrier, this obstacle that was standing between them and the promises of God. And the sea literally parts and they're able to walk through it. They saw miracle after miracle. But then they ended up wandering in the wilderness for 40 years. Moses later on would go up the mountain. He'd come back with 10 commandments. And as he got those 10 commandments, he sees that the people are actually not worshiping God, they're worshiping this golden statue. And as they're worshiping this golden statue, Moses gets mad. Momo grabs those tablets and he smashes them. He breaks them. He's angry and he's frustrated. And he hikes back up the mountain to go get some more tablets. And this is what it says in Exodus chapter 34, verse 6. It says that the Lord passed before him and proclaimed, The Lord, the Lord, a God merciful and gracious, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. If you and I want to understand who God is, this verse is what encompasses it. So let's read it again. God is merciful. God is gracious. God is slow to anger. God is abounding in steadfast love. And He is faithful. That's who God is. And what's interesting about this situation is I believe what God is doing is revealing to Moses that just because his current situation doesn't line up with those characteristics doesn't mean that God has changed. Because if you look at the bottom, if you look at what Moses has done, Moses is smashing tablets. Moses is not slow to anger. He's not feeling incredibly gracious. He's not abounding in love in this moment. But even though Moses is not there, God still is. Even if your situation or your circumstance doesn't line up with one of those four things, what we have to realize is that God still is God. That He is a God who is full of mercy, full of grace, full of, of, the, of patience. That's what being slow to anger means. Full of steadfast love. And He is a God who's faithful. I don't know what picture of God you grew up with, but for some of us, you, we grew up with this picture of, of well, I like to call him angry God. He's just mad about everything. You don't know why he's mad. You just know that he is mad. 
And he's always, he's standing in the corner with his arms crossed. He's disappointed at you. He's frustrated with you. Others of you grew up with a, a similar depiction, but he's stoic God. He looks a lot like uh, the Lincoln Monument. Big throne, big chair, dude just sitting there ready. Some of you grew up with spiteful God who's just ready to throw lightning bolts down from heaven every time you mess up. But if those are the depictions you have of God, one of the things that we have to do is go to the truth of his word to find out who he is. Because our circumstances normally don't line up with who God is. So we see from scripture that God is loving, merciful, gracious, faithful, all-knowing, and all-powerful. First thing that we have to do is remember who God is. The second thing is this. We have to remember what God's done. Remember what God's done. So it's not just important enough to remember who he is, but as you and I take time to stay, to have faith in faithfulness, we're going to have to know who he is, and we're going to have to remember all the things he's done for us in the past. That was the reminder in Deuteronomy, that God has brought you out of slavery from the bondage and captivity. Every single one of us, look at what uh, Exodus chapter 20 verse 2 says. He says, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. Now we went through the five book, first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. The passage we started out in is book number five of the Bible. This is the second book. So all throughout this time, what he's doing is he's reminding them of the fact that God has done so many things in the past. And I was talking to a pastor just the other day. Um, I've been a, a full-time lead pastor for five years now and have been just watching all that God's done. But I realize there's some men of faith who have gone before me that have been doing this longer and pastored through the financial crisis uh, back in 2007, 2008. And so I reached out to them the other day and I called one and said, look, um, what were some things you learned in doing that? And he said, Nick, I got to be honest with you. You know, the biggest thing I learned is that there were times where I thought I was never going to make it. There were times where I felt like everything was sinking. But in this moment right now, I can look back and say that God brought me through that situation. And I know with confidence that he'll bring me through the one we're currently going through. Oftentimes, the only thing you need to do is to give yourself a reminder of all that God has done for you in the past. Because when you can remember your past faithfulness and hold on to the truth of God's word, which says he is the same yesterday, today, and forever, you and I can lead and live with confidence knowing that God, who is faithful in the past, will be faithful in your present and in your future. All of us have a slavery issue, though. It's a slavery issue to sin. And if you and I don't come to grips with that and wrestle with that, we're going to continue to live in bondage and captivity. Because God didn't design you and I to live in that place. He actually designed us to live in freedom. But much like these Israelite people, they found themselves in captivity. For some of you, you're in captivity right now. There's things you don't want to do, but you keep on doing. And Paul says that. There's, there's sins that you've been trying to get rid of over and over and over again, and yet they just keep coming back. And regardless of whether you recognize it or not, one of the things that Scripture is really clear on is that we've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So every single one of us have a sin issue which positions us in a great place for needing a Savior. And I love what Paul writes to uh, the people in Rome in Romans chapter 6. 
verse 17. He says this, But thanks be to God that, through, that though you used to be slaves to sin. This is past tense. Okay, So he's saying, you had an encounter with Jesus. You used to be slaves to sin. You have now come to obey from your heart the pattern of teaching that has claimed your allegiance. You have been set free from sin and have become slaves to righteousness. In other words, you have two choices. You will be a slave to sin or a slave to righteousness. You will be a slave to something. As a follower of Jesus, you need to know that if you're not killing sin, sin will be killing you. And so you and I, as we look at the things that are going on in our life, need to wrestle with the fact that if we've been set free by Jesus, we're not who we used to be. Look at what it says in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. This is what Jesus did for us. Scripture says, For He made Him who knew no sin to be sin for us so that we might become the righteousness of God in Him. The good news of what Jesus did is that Jesus takes the chains and the shackles of the bondage that we have to sin, and He takes them upon Himself, so that you and I could be set free to do all that God has called us to do. And I don't know what current struggle you have. I don't know what you're currently facing or going up against. But here's what I do know. When I look at what God has done in the past... For every single person, we have an equal playing field. What God has done in the past is he sent his son Jesus, who knew you and I were still sinning, to live a sinless life, to stand on trial that was my trial, to take the nails that were my nails, to die the death that I should have died, so that in him I could live. So that in him, I didn't have to walk in bondage. I didn't have to walk in captivity. And when I look at the landscape of all that God's done in my life, I can remind myself that I can trust the God who has showed up every single time. Remember who God is. Remember what God has done. And then the third thing is this. Remember what God is going to do. Remember what God's going to do. I love that that last verse in Deuteronomy says that God will continue this for thousands of generations. That this promise, this reminder that he's given to the Israelite people wasn't just a reminder for them in those moments, but was a reminder for you and I today. That God is not just concerned with covering our past or our present, but that God has an incredible future for every single one of us. That God has great things in store for you and I as we pursue him and we continue to move into his plans and purposes. I love what James teaches us. Blessed is the man who perseveres, who endures temptation. For when he has been approved, he will receive the crown of life, which the Lord has promised to those who love him. James is writing to say, hey, uh, just so you know, you're going to experience some temptation Just so you're aware, there's going to be some things that happen that are outside of your control, that are difficult for you and I to wrestle with. You need to understand that there's going to be some hardships, but what you have to know more than the hardships you endure is the reward that God has in store for you is so much better. That yes, you're going to struggle. Yes, there's going to be hardships. But if you just keep pushing on, you're going to realize that God has an incredible plan for your future. What is God going to do in your life? I have no clue. (laughs) 
Like, wouldn't that be cool right now? You're sitting there at church, uh, you're watching church online from the convenience of your couch, and you could hear somebody just look right into the camera and say, you want to know what God's going to do in your life? Here's a few things. I can't do that. Because what Scripture does say and is really clear about, Ephesians 3.20 says that he is able to do more than we might ask, think, or imagine. Right. So here's what I know. My best plan for your life is nothing in comparison to God's. The greatest thing I could imagine, my, my dreams for you as an individual compare nothing to the dreams that our Father in heaven has for you. Because what he has for you are plans to prosper you, to give you hope and a future. When you and I see all that God has done in our life, we really have the ability to continue to walk in faith and to trust in him. I love what 1 Corinthians 2.9 says that no eye has seen, no ear has heard, and no mind has imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. Right. So good that you can't see it, you can't comprehend it, but we know that God has immeasurably more for every single one of us who call on His name. We've done seen, we've seen, we've done seen, come on. <laughs> we've seen God do some incredible things through our lives. I remember, you know, I don't know what your past looks like, and I'll be honest, um, that message failure isn't final. Last week is is really the heartbeat of my life, and because back in 2011, I was addicted to drugs, but I had an encounter with Jesus that changed my life forever, and as I look at all that God's done in my life just over the last, August will be nine years, I've seen a God who is faithful. I've seen a God who has brought me through uh, both the mountains and the lowest of valleys. Yeah. I've seen a God who is not just, as I said it last week, a God of the storm, but he's a God of the fire, and yeah. he's a God when things are calm, and he's a God when things are rough. Yeah. Right. He's yeah. the God of peaches and cream and Rocky Road. Come on, somebody. <laughs> he's just that good. Yeah. And the faithfulness of God is one of the things that continues to give me energy to keep moving on every single day. Because the truth is, church, I have no clue what the future holds. I don't know what tomorrow looks like. But what I do know is that the same God who brought the Israelites out of captivity is the same God who has his hand on my life. The same God who rescued a drowning Peter and restored him back into ministry is the same God who fights for you and I every single day. That's what we can trust in. That's what we put our hope in. We've seen God do some incredible things in our life and even throughout history. One of the things that I think is so cool is if you look back at church history, and, and, and I'm not trying to say that the coronavirus stuff that we're going through right now is, is cool, but what I will say is when the church understands its purpose and steps into the middle of dark places, light truly does shine. Yeah. You can look back and trace incredible moves of God, uh, and right before those things were great catastrophes. Then yeah. the church stepped in. The church realized its purpose, realized that they have a message of a faithful God in the middle of turmoil times. So you and I get to step into those things. Look at what Romans chapter 8, verse 28 says, and then I'll close. It says this, And we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God, to those who are called according to His purpose. Now, oftentimes, and I shared this thought with Tori the other day. Tori's my wife, and I'm so grateful for her because she gets to be the sounding board for good ideas and bad ideas, right? (laughs) 
And I was thinking about this the other day as, as I was reading this verse that God works out all things for the good of those who love him and are called according to his purpose. The person who dictates the timeline of that is you and me. Let me explain. If God knows the beginning from the end and is working out all things for my good, from the moment something bad happens, God doesn't cause it, but he uses it. It's positioned and ready to be turned for his good immediately. But I have the opportunity to sit and sulk and get angry and get bitter and get frustrated. Or I can choose to see every situation not as a setback, but a setup. As something that can be used for his good and to align with the purposes that God has for me. So I don't know what you're facing. I don't know what you're going through. But what I do know is that you and I can trust in the goodness and the faithfulness of God. So what are you going to do today? Are you and I going to be tossed and kind of flounder around like ships in a sea of rocky waves? Or are we going to lean into who God is, what God's done, and what He's going to do in the future? If you and I begin to live that way, church, if we begin to live with a proper understanding of who God is, not what we've been taught He is, and I'm not saying anything's wrong with, with being taught something because there's so much value in church online. But can I tell you, man, as your pastor, as the person who's talking to you right now, pick up a dang Bible. That's what I want for you. If you don't hear anything else I tell you today, grab a Bible. Open it up. Because a personal relationship with a pastor doesn't get you into heaven, but a personal relationship with Jesus does. Yeah, that's right. So get a Bible. Start un- unpacking who God is. He's not just a God of, of wrath. He's a God of love. Yeah. And some people get a little caught up and go, well, well you know, I see all this stuff of, of God punishing people. Yeah, because you can't be a God of love if you're not a God of justice as well. Mm. And I don't have time to talk about that with you today. Mm. So tune in another week. <laughs> but I'm not going to tell you when. <laughs> now, I believe that the world needs the message that we have. Yeah. That we serve a God who has been faithful in the past. He is faithful in our present. And has incredible things in store for us in the future. Yep. So today, here's what I want you to do. I just want you to have faith in the faithfulness of God. To take a moment and just say, I might not know what my situation looks like. I might not know even what the road ahead has for me. But what I do know is the same God who was faithful in the past will be faithful in my future. And that's what I put my faith in. That's what keeps me walking. That's what gives me the ability to wake up every day knowing that all things work out for my good because I love God. Let me pray for us as we wrap up our time together today. For some of you, you're listening to this message and you realize that much like those Israelite people, you're stuck in your sin. You desperately want to get out, but... The only way to escape the bondage of sin is to begin a relationship with Jesus Christ. Because Jesus died on your behalf as the full payment of your sin. And and here's the best news of all. The moment you put your place and your hope in Jesus, put your trust in Him, and you're not having to work for it, you're not having to earn it or strive for it. You simply get to rest in the fact that Jesus' payment was enough to cover the debt that sin had created on your life. 
And so if you're watching from home, wherever you're at right now, I want you to simply respond to the good news of Jesus by giving him control of your life today. By simply saying this prayer. Dear Jesus, Jesus, today I give you my life. I place my hope and trust in you. Thank you for dying in my place. So that I could have new life. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen.